Church Downtown is a community of people striving to be authentic followers of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that you're inspired by the following message to know the love of Jesus more deeply and to follow him more passionately. For more information about our church, this message, or about being a Christ follower, please visit us at churchdowntown.org. Rubber bands. We've been in this st series, Stretch Marks, not rubber bands, but stretch marks. And, and, and it's, it's similar to this idea of a rubber band. And I'm going to be 20 minutes. I'll tell you, I'll be 20 minutes and I'll be done. So don't get too scared because there were a lot of announcements this morning. But I have, this is so important. So if we can just focus in for a minute. I have so much that God's shown me in this passage that I want to share with you. But I want to know, we're wrapping up this series. And what we've talked about is this idea of here's this journey that we're on. And we're being stretched every day. And as you and I both know, on a journey, sometimes we can't wait to get to the destination and we just want to get there and we want to stop and we think everything will be fine when I get to the next point and place in life and whatever that is, if I get the new job, if I get a new relationship, if I have a fat bank account, whatever that would be, we think if I get there things will be fine and we, what we know as we get more experience in life is when we get there things are not always fine, things always come up, there's always this journey that we're on and God continually is stretching us and stretching us and stretching us and, and we we get frustrated with God because we think God wants us to get to this destination and then we'll be okay, but God never promised us to just get us to a safe place and then we would be comfortable. What God says is you're going to be on a journey in life and if you follow me, you're going to be called to make changes in your life. You're going to be called to look different. You're going to be called to act different. You're going to be called to be different because you're a follower of Jesus Christ and he's different. He's holy. He's wonderful. He's lovely. He's just and if I want to look like him, my life has to look different. So what we said is, it's not about the destination with God, it's about the journey. And if we want to stretch and stretch and stretch and stretch, you have to find not comfort in the destination, but you have to find joy in the journey. So we're looking for that joy. And what is that joy? So we've been going through the life of Elijah, and basically we came to this conclusion going through Elijah's life that, that, that when we get to a certain place and when we, when, when we get to this arrival point, the question has become is what do we need in our journey to bring us joy? What is it about the journey and joy? How do I get the joy in the journey? Because have you ever gone on a trip, like vacation or something? Kelly and I, when we first got married, uh, we had our honeymoon in the beautiful, beautiful retirement community of Branson, Missouri. Um, that's where we went for our honeymoon, which, I, you know, it was close. And, uh, but what I remember is we got everything all packed up and, and, and everything was ready and the wedding's over, the reception in the car and we started driving and we, when we got to beautiful Branson, Missouri the next morning after we were married and stuff and everything was great and, uh, and the next morning we were getting ready to go out and see what kind of retirement community we were visiting and, uh, and we went out and, and, and we were getting ready and Kelly was crying and I said, what? what's wrong? Was it that awful? Am I that bad? And and she said, I forgot all of my makeup. I can't go anywhere. I forgot my makeup. And she wanted to look beautiful for me. And she's stuck in the bathroom and she won't come out. And she's like, I don't have my makeup. And, and, and I appreciated that she wants to look good for me. And I said, well, make a list, slide it under the door. 
and I will go get your makeup for you. And we took a trip. She wasn't that dramatic. We, we actually walked out together, and we had to go straight to the store, though. And she wore a hoodie and pulled her face down, you know. But uh, we went, and we had to. But, but it's, there's these times where we forget something that on the journey, if you ever went camping and forgot your camping chairs, that's awful. It's no fun. It ruins the whole trip. You know, or you go somewhere, you go to the beach, and you don't have any suntan lotion. It can, the trip can be miserable. The journey ends up being miserable because you don't have what you need. So we have to figure it out. In this last session, I think what we see here in this passage is what is it that you need to have to make this journey a joyous journey? So in 2 Kings, in 2 Kings chapter 2, we're going to look in verse 1 through 15, and I'm quickly going to fly through this thing, and we're going to talk about what we need. What we see here is Elijah is getting ready to go. He's getting ready to take off. God's getting ready to call him out of the earth in a dramatic, spectacular way. And so Elijah's getting ready to go up, and he says to Elisha, okay, it's happening. It's getting ready to go. So this is where we pick this up. And Elisha was Elijah's protege. He had been following him along for, behind him for years, learning from his master Elijah how to be a prophet, what a prophet of God looked like. And now the departure was getting ready to take place. And in verse 1 of 2 Kings chapter 2, it says, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven. Elijah and Elisha were traveling to Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. But Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you also live, I will never leave you. And he went, they went together to Bethel. Then a group of prophets from Bethel came to Elisha and asked him, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elijah answered, but be quiet about it. Stop talking about it. Don't remind me about it. I'm kind of sad. Quit rubbing it in, you know. Did you know this was going to happen? Yes, shut up. Okay, I'm, I'm in denial. So then, then he goes on verse 4, and Elijah said to Elisha, Hey, now stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Jericho. But Elisha replied again, As surely as the Lord lives, and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went together to Jericho. Then a group of prophets from Jericho came to Elisha and asked him, Did you know that the Lord's going to take your master away from you today? Yes, shut up. Okay? And then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here. It seems like he's trying to get rid of him. Do you ever have someone just follow you around? Why don't you go do that for a minute? No, I'm, I'm just going to go with you. Stop it. Stay here. And Elisha is trying to get rid of or Elijah's trying to get rid of him. And, and he says, in verse 6, stay here for the Lord has called me to go to the Jordan River. But Elisha says, as surely as the Lord lives and you and yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together. Now we got 50 men of the group of prophets. This crowd just keeps growing. The, the annoyance just keeps coming for Elisha. And 50 men, a group of prophets come up and they watch from a ditch and they watched uh, from a distance as Elijah and Elisha stopped at the Jordan River. And Elisha, Elijah folded his cloak together, and he struck the water with his cloak. And the river divided, and the two of them went across on dry ground. Can you imagine? Huge. Like, this is the guy you're with. This is, no wonder he didn't want to leave his side. He was obviously anointed. He had the power of God on him. He did not, Elisha did not want to leave Elijah's side. In verse 9, it says, When they went to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken away. So here's this question. 
What can I do for you? What, what can I give you? How can I help you? Because I'm getting ready to leave. You're going to continue on in a journey. What can I do to help your journey? What do you need to go forward in your journey? And Elisha replied, please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. So what do you need for your journey, Elisha? I would like to have a double portion, a double share of your spirit. Whatever God is doing in you, I want him to do double in me. And I want to be your successor. Now, it's interesting because verse 10, Elijah replies and says, you have asked a difficult thing. Now, here's what I want us to understand. The reason it's a difficult thing isn't because Elijah was trying to think to himself, how am I going to get this done? This is going to be hard to pass this off. Elijah knew he, was not the, he wasn't able to allow any of that stuff to happen. It's all in God's hands of whether or not Elijah follows him. It's in God's hand of whether or not God wants to give a double portion of God's own spirit to him. That's up to God. It's not up to Elijah. But what was a difficult thing about it wasn't that it was hard for Elijah to do. It was that Elijah was saying, what you have asked for to be my successor is you're asking to walk on the journey that I walked on. You're asking to go down the path that I walked on, that God had me on. And that is a difficult thing. Because what we've learned from the life of Elijah is that it was not easy. It was stretching and stretching and stretching. And Elijah was hidden from men so he didn't get killed in caves. Elijah himself felt so worn out and so distraught. He lays under a tree and asks God to take his life. He hides himself in caves. He's asking. He's depressed. He's got anxiety. He's got problems. He's got issues because the journey he's on was too hard for him to bear alone. Anyone feel like that in here? That the journey you're on is a little too hard, and you wouldn't wish your life on anyone else, and you wonder, God, I don't know how I'm going to get through tomorrow, and, 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 and people and their little petty problems, but my deal and what you've called me to seems so much more difficult than anyone else, and I've got issues, and I've got problems, and Elijah is saying to Elisha, this is difficult. This is a hard journey. I don't know that you know what you're asking for. But okay, if this is what you want, here's what needs to happen. And he goes on in verse 10 and he says, If you see me when I'm taken from you, you will get your request. But if not, then you won't. This seems so easy. Because Elisha has been chasing after Elijah this whole time. He's got to know he's going to stick with him until he gets to the end. He's already tried to lose him. You know, that's what it feels like. He's hiding around corners. Dang it, you found me. Oh, I've got to hurry up. Okay, I had a story, but I'm going to fly. Okay, so here's this, here's, here's this picture of just, he's saying, okay, you're, you're going to come after me, but if you see me. We talked last week about spiritual eyes. 
And we talked about this lesson that after Elijah was gone, Elisha had a mentor, a mentoree, I think that's what it's called, a mentee, maybe, a mentos, maybe, that's what we call him. Um, but some guy that followed him and was chasing after him and was, you know, like, hey, hey I'm going to learn from you. And, and, and his servant was stepped outside and the whole, the, the whole army's after Elisha, he's going to kill him. This is in 2 Kings chapter 6. If you've never read it, read it, it's a great story. And, 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 and this whole army surrounded them and Elisha is a servant says, man, uh, I don't know what we're going to do here. We're about dead. Uh, you got to come out. Elijah or Elisha responds and says, um, hey, there's more on our side than are on theirs. And, and he's like, what are you talking about? There's a whole army. And then he prays, God, let him see. Let him see. Give him spiritual eyes, open his eyes, and, and God opened the eyes of the servant because God opens our spiritual eyes. You can't do it. God, you can pray for it, ask for it, everything else, but God has to grant your spiritual eyes to be opened. Elijah's, Elisha's servant's spiritual eyes are open, and what's he see? He sees a whole army surrounding, God's army, chariots of fire and horses, and this whole deal, this whole army's around them, surrounding them. And this is what Elijah is right now telling Elisha, if you can see it, not if you just see me going up, but if God gives you eyes, spiritual eyes, to see what happens, then you'll get this blessing. So what happens? Verse 11, as they were walking along and talking, it could have been hours that they were walking down the road and going on after this was said. It says, suddenly a chariot of fire. Sound familiar? Our story in 2 Kings chapter 6, chariots of fire. A chariot of fire drawn by horses of fire drove between the two men, separating them. And Elijah was carried up in a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it. And he cried out. Now, why else would he cry out this? This is an amazing thing that he's seeing. He's been given spiritual eyes, and he wants Elijah to know before he goes, I see what's going on. And he says, my father, my father, I see the chariots. I see the charioteers of Israel. And he's so excited because God has given him vision to see what Elijah was seeing all these years. God opened the eyes of Elisha and said, now my spirit's on you. Now my power's on you. Now you have the ability to do great things on this journey because the journey isn't about the destination it's about the journey and the joy in the journey and if you want to know what you need to have you need my spirit and God drops his spirit on Elisha and he's got the spirit of God and you say well how do you get all that you got to keep reading verse 13 Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak we began this series and in the beginning of the series, I went to when Elijah had his first encounter with Elisha. And Elijah, this great prophet of God, walked up to Elisha, plowing in a field, doing his thing. And God walks up to, or Elisha, Elijah walks up to Elisha and drops his cloak on his shoulders. Do you remember that? If you don't, you can go back and read it. It's 1 Kings chapter 19. And he drops his cloak on his shoulders. And we talked about the fact that this cloak was a representation of God's power, of God's anointing, of God's calling on his life. But it was deeper than that. It's a representation of God's spirit. Because the power of God comes through the Holy Spirit. And he drops this cloak on him. And now here we see the cloak come back into the picture. 
And Elisha is taken up in the heaven, or Elijah is taken up in the heaven, and Elisha picks up Elijah's cloak, which had fallen to the ground. And when Elijah returned to the bank of the Jordan, Elisha returned to the bank of the Jordan, he struck the water with Elijah's cloak. And he cried out, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when the river and then the river divided, and Elisha went across. And when a group of the prophets from Jericho saw from a distance what had happened, they exclaimed, Elijah's spirit rests on Elisha. The spirit of God, all represented in that cloak. The power of God wrapped up in Elisha, asked for what he needed for the journey. He needed a double portion of the spirit, and God gave it to him. It's kind of like Elijah was a genie, and he said, hey, what are your three wishes before I go? Have you ever thought about that? You've watched enough movies to, to follow with me that that, that would be pretty cool if, if you ever saw a genie and they said, hey, what can I give you? What can I do for you? I've always thought, what, what would I be asking for? And I'm sure you've thought through some of these things too. And I can honestly say I've never thought about asking the genie for a double portion of Elijah's spirit. Okay, that just if, if you've thought that, you're way more spiritual than your pastor. I'm thinking, man, we really like the suburban. And I like leather seats. Huh. If I had a suburban with leather seats, we had one once and the engine blew up and we couldn't get another one. But give me a nice one that never blows up, that we can ride. That thing was nice. And this is the kind of things, and we have this. If, if I had three wishes, I would get a new job. I would get new kids that behaved, you know. Be, you know, because the thing is, it's not my fault that they're bad. You, you know that as parents. It's always the kids' problem. It's not ours. Uh, if I got new kids that were well-behaved within a month or so, they'd... Anyway. Um, so, so but, but these are our thoughts. Okay, I need a new house. If I had that job, if I lived in that area, if I had that girlfriend or that boyfriend, or if my husband acted like this, or my wife would do this. And, and these are our wishes, and these are our thoughts. But here's what we need to begin to realize. That the joy on our journey, you have to think, what, what is it that's robbing me of joy? Why don't I have joy on this journey? Why can't I move forward? And what we find out is that we are so fearful of the journey, we're so fearful of what's going to happen next, and we're praying sometimes and we're saying, God, just make it quit, make it stop, but like a rubber band, God just keeps wanting to stretch us until we learn these lessons, until we find joy, until we figure out where the joy is at and how to get the joy, and we're praying for things like a new car, we're praying for a new job, we're praying for debt to be paid off, we're praying for these things, but God's like, that is not joy. It's temporary. It won't last. What you need for your journey is not those temporary things. But to have joy in this journey, you cannot fear the journey. If you want joy, you can't have fear in the journey itself. So to have joy on this journey, you can't fear it, but you must pursue Jesus and be filled with the Holy Spirit. To have joy on your journey, you cannot fear it, but you must pursue Jesus and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is what brings the joy. And what's amazing about this, and I'll wrap up with this, and I'll, I'll say that, but I'll beat another 10 minutes. 
But I'm rapping. I'm telling you, I'm rapping right now. There's another person in the Bible. There's another account in the Bible. Because that ascension in the, of Elijah wasn't just unique to Elijah. But what we see is a picture in Jesus Christ. In Elijah being a foreshadowing of who Jesus Christ was to come. And what we see in Elisha is Elisha pursuing Elijah at all costs. And you see two groups of people in this. You see Elisha running after Elijah, and he won't stop. He will do anything. And Elijah over and over again says, stay here, stay here, stay here. And then there's this group of people, these prophets watching from a distance, and they're saying, hey, you, you, guess what? Your master's leaving you today. And he says, leave me alone. Don't tell me about it. And I want you to know, these were prophets of God. They had the same ability. They knew what Elijah was about. They knew that power Elijah had that came from God, but none of them were pursuing it. They were actually trying to discourage Elisha from pursuing that. And they kept saying, no, 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 he's leaving. He's leaving. He's gone. And then they kept standing back and watching him go on. And they were prophets of God. They were serving God. But some of us in our lives are afraid of pursuing Jesus fully. Because we're so wrapped up in what we've got and comfortable where we're at, those group of prophets could have followed just like they, they knew he was leaving. Why wouldn't they want to go? Why wouldn't they want to see? Why wouldn't they want to be a part of what was happening? But instead, they tried to hold Elisha back, and they said, no, you stay here. You stay here. Your master's leaving today. And, they, and, and Elisha said, no, I'm going. Shut up. I don't want to hear about it. I'm moving forward. And the rest of them just stood there and watched them walk away. And the group got bigger and bigger, and finally there's 50 prophets of God just watching miracles happen and watching one man pursue. And this is what we're dealing with today in the church, that we want a relationship with Jesus, but we're afraid to really pursue him. And we're afraid of what it would do to our lives if we had to step out of our comfort zone and actually pursue him with great passion, great power, leaving everything behind. So we're fine watching from a distance. Because we're fearful of what the journey means if we take a step forward and put our foot fully in committing to Jesus. So instead we just stand back on the sidelines. And it doesn't mean we don't love Jesus. It doesn't mean we don't trust Jesus. It doesn't mean that, that, that we don't believe he's good. We don't think we're not serving him. We are serving him. We're striving to follow him. But, but, but it's just to what lengths? And the prophets got to a point, and there was a line that they had to step across, and they walked a lot, watch as Elijah and Elisha chased after Elijah, walked past this line, and they said, we're going to stop here, and we're just going to watch what God does from a distance. And my challenge for you today would be to say, if you're going to fear this journey, if you're going to fear it, you will never have the spirit. You will never have the power given to you. Because you need to pursue. And it says in the book of James, if you draw near to Jesus, he'll draw near to you. 
And once you begin to pursue after him, he empowers you with the Holy Spirit of God to give you the strength to overcome in your journey and to find the joy in your journey because he gives you the Spirit of God. And what we see in the book of Acts is we see this whole thing proclaimed to us. And you said, I thought you were finishing. I am. This is my conclusion. It's just long. All right? Acts chapter 1. Listen to this. This is crazy, crazy. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Jesus is eating with his disciples. It was after he died and rose again, and he's spending time with them. And, he's, and he's leaning, they're leaning into him. They're sucking every piece of information and life out of Jesus that they can. And it says he's eating with them, and he commanded them, and he said, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. And as I told you before, John baptized with water, but just in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In verse 7, Jesus says, the Father, excuse me, in verse 8, Jesus says, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And after saying this, Jesus was taken up into a cloud while they were watching. What does that remind you of? What is that a picture of? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, a picture, Elijah set the tone, he foreshadowing of who Jesus is and what Jesus was going to do, and that cloak that dropped as Elijah was taken up into heaven is the same cloak that was dropped as Jesus ascended into heaven. It's a picture, it's a power of the Holy Spirit that's coming upon his church and coming upon his people, that you are not alone. I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, I will be your helper, I will give you a helper, and greater things will you do than I did, because you have the Holy Spirit that has dropped to you from Jesus Christ. He is in each one of you, church. You have the Spirit. Yes, get excited. You have the Spirit of God working and moving in your life and in your heart. And if you don't find joy in the journey, I'm going to have to tell you, it doesn't necessarily mean you're not saved, but you've got a wrong perspective. Because the Holy Spirit gives to us joy for a journey. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, you say, why don't I have joy in my journey? How do I know I don't have the Spirit? I think I have the Spirit, Pastor Rob, because I accepted Jesus, so I got the Spirit. And I say, yes, you got that Spirit. And that's the same Spirit, but the Spirit gives supernatural indwellings and power. And, and, and there's an initial indwelling of the Spirit of God when you invite Him into your heart. But if you want to have greater things in Jesus Christ, you have to pursue them. You have to run after Jesus and say, whatever line you want me to cross in your name to look like you, to follow after you, I'm going to do it. And here's the representation of this. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Does that describe your journey? Does that describe your journey? That's what we've got to figure out, church. Because if you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, you're going to look different. You're going to act different. You're going to be different. And if you're facing your 
journey and there's no joy in your journey, maybe it's because you're pursuing the wrong things. Maybe it's because you're not running after Jesus. You're not willing to change the things that are in your life to make you look more like Jesus himself. So you have to begin to evaluate and say, yes, I believe in you, Jesus, and I have your spirit indwelling me, but are you empowering me to walk through this? Am I pursuing you? Am I giving everything up for you? And it says in verse 24, right after this list, it says, those who belong to Jesus Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. And since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And that's what this series is about. There has to be joy in the journey. You have to find that place where, 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 where you say in your own life, God, I don't feel joy. I don't feel peace. I don't feel patience. I don't feel long-suffering. I'm certainly not living under self-control. I don't have faithfulness. And we begin to say, God, help me to pursue you above and beyond anything else. You'll never have joy in the journey if you fear it. If you're fearful of the next day. The Bible tells us don't worry about tomorrow. It has, today has enough problems of its own. We're fearful of what's coming up. And Jesus says just give it to me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Hand it over to me. Trust in me. Believe in me. And then begin to work within the spirit that you're developing joy. And if you don't have it, say, God, I want to be joyful. I need your joy. I need your patience. I'm going to work on this patience. I'm going to need self-control, God. I'm going to need faithfulness, God. Help me to work on these things. Rather than focusing on the temporary problems of the world, focus on what you can change inside of you. And say, today I'm going to live with peace. Today I'm going to live and walk pursuing Jesus. Therefore, he'll empower me with his spirit. And I will be faithful to honor him today. You have to not seek the destination, but find joy in the journey. And it comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you. I praise you this morning for what you're doing in our hearts, in this church, Lord, in our lives, Lord, in my life. As I study the book, uh, or the life of Elijah and Elisha, Lord, how you're changing and working in my heart. New perspectives, God. You're doing new things. You're creating new direction for me, Lord. And I pray for our church that you would be doing the same, God. As we get ready to open these doors, we don't want a church full of people that don't have joy in the journey. We want to be examples set to people that walk in here and they say, I know what they're dealing with? How do they have a smile on their face? How do they have such peace and patience in their lives? I know what's going on. It doesn't make any sense. And no, it doesn't. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we pray for an anointing of your spirit today, Lord. I pray for us power, Lord Jesus, that we would pray today, that we would lean in and trust you today like no other. Lord, and if there's someone in here that doesn't know you, that they haven't had that initial connection with your Holy Spirit, Lord, that comes through faith in Jesus Christ alone, that they would believe in you, that they would trust in you, in their hearts, they would just, in their hearts and minds today, that they would say, Jesus, I am going to make you today Lord of my life. 
And your word tells us if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that we will be saved. And then that spirit comes and indwells and fills us. Lord, and then we begin the pursuit of Jesus. And Lord, for those of us who have known you for years, but maybe we find ourselves just having stood back. We're applauding someone else that's running after you from a distance, Lord. Help us to take that step that says, God's calling me to something greater. God's calling me to be more, to do more. And as I draw near to Jesus, he will draw near to me in the empowering and dwelling of your spirit, Lord. May it take a hold of our lives and give us strength. Lord, and give us those fruits of the spirit that control our lives. Help us to look more and more and more like you. With your heads bowed and eyes still closed, I just want to give you this challenge before we sing this closing song. There's a prayer banner in the back of the room, off to my right. As you turn around, you'll see that banner back there lit up, and there'll be some people standing there that would like to pray with you. And if you've got things like, I don't know Jesus, I don't have that connection, or maybe I've known Jesus for years, but I just haven't taken a step of faith, go back, let someone pray with you. If you're like, I don't need someone to pray, I just need to be alone with Jesus, there is a whole row up here of altar-ish kind of a place where you can come and you can kneel and you can just pray. Just Man, church, I can't encourage you enough to not leave this room without making some kind of commitment today in the way that God stirred in your heart to say, I trust you, and I'm going to take the next step. I'm not going to be a spectator anymore, but I'm going to dive deep in a relationship with Jesus, and I'm going to pursue him, because that's when joy comes through the Holy Spirit. So as we're singing this song, I'm going to ask you to stand, so please stand with me. And if you need some prayer, there's a prayer banner back there in a the corner. If you just want to get alone, you can come up here and pray or find a corner in the building. But just spend some time praying as we sing this morning.